revival is both a corporate move of God, but it's not stereotyped. So if, if I'm in a kind of revivalist type of meeting and I see the response of people is expected to be all the same, I think, is that a man-made manipulation thing or is it truly God at work? Well, hello and welcome to the Great Southland Revival podcast series. My name is Kurt and I'm here today with Ian Mallins, who has kindly agreed to be interviewed. And just a bit of a quick background on Ian before I introduce him. Um, Ian has served as a missionary in both Papua New Guinea and the Solomon Islands. Um, he's pastored in Queensland and uh, has, is a Bible teacher and an author. And I'm sure he's going to tell us a whole lot more about that. So first of all, I want to say welcome, Ian. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, it's good Good to be here and glad to be able to share a little bit of um, the story of revival as I understand it. Excellent. Thank you. Well, I thought, I thought I'd jump straight in with the first question um, in terms of your background a little bit more, if you could fill that in. So what is uh, a bit more of your personal and your professional background that I've missed in that short introduction I gave? All right. Um, look, my first five years were in inland China. I had missionary parents, so came out in when I was five years of age when communism took over. Grew up in Melbourne, went through my schooling, felt a call to mission as a teenager. Um, went through university and trained in agriculture, thinking that's where God was going to use me. Then I went on and did theological studies at the Melbourne Bible Institute, as it was known back then and um, then went into the Department of Agriculture in Melbourne as a sheep industry officer and um, was hardly there less than a year when I had a call from Papua New Guinea to come and be the agriculturalist there but I didn't really have an interest in Papua New Guinea I was thinking more of a Asia as and certainly not that soon I was not ready um, but God had his way and this call to come persisted and after struggling with it for three months I came to realize God was in this and so I accepted but having accepted they then changed the call from agriculture to Bible teaching which I felt totally unprepared for but God said go anyway so that began 14 years up there Bible teaching um, training pastors and church leaders for the South Pacific area and my wife and three uh, then later three sons were all born up there so that's the missionary part of the journey and then we came back to Australia after 14 years in Papua New Guinea and uh, I was in pastoral ministry for 10 years in three different churches and then moved out of past God kind of pushed me out of pastoral ministry pretty much back to training again and so for the last 20 years I've been involved in writing resources for churches in discipleship we've established a ministry Omega Discipleship Ministries and also um, the area of revival um, has become a focus and, and there's a story behind that which I'm sure you'll be wanting to know about so I've been teaching, teaching in the International Christian College, a multicultural training college here in Brisbane for 20 years with multicultural students, mainly from Asia. And that's, I love doing that, equipping them to go back to their own countries. Wow. Well, that's very encouraging, Ian. That's um, very helpful background. And um, as you've mentioned, um, and the fact that I'm even interviewing you, revival has been one of your passions. I've got your book here, What Will It Take to Bring Revival? 
And yeah. I encourage, um, yeah, everyone to grab a copy of this book and have a read. It's um, been very inspiring, very helpful for me in, in my research and just my, um, I guess, my understanding of revival and drawing near to God and um, being challenged personally. Um, so I wanted to start with the question, you know, you've spent a fair bit of time writing about and teaching about revival. Where did that passion for revival begin for you? Well, it actually began during those years in Papua New Guinea when we had students coming, some students coming from the Solomon Islands where revival had been since 1970, which had brought a new lease of life to the church's South Seas Evangelical Church. These students, we had students from all different areas of Melanesia and the South Pacific, but the students from the Solomon Islands would tell these stories of what God was doing and what God had done there. And I really, I was there as a teacher, but I felt they had something to teach me. And here I was hearing about a level of Christian life and experience, both individually and in the churches of the Solomons that was outside my experience. And so I longed to go there. But during those 14 years, I never had the opportunity to actually visit the Solomon Islands. And it wasn't until I was a pastor on the Gold Coast, associate pastor, back in Australia, um, that um, the, the Baptist leaders were sending a team of pastors who'd like to go to the Solomon Islands. And so I joined eight pastors and went across on a mission trip for three weeks into the Solomon Islands. And what I saw and experienced there changed my life. I came back a different person. Wow. Even after 30 years, you know, as a, as a Christian, a missionary, and then a pastor, three weeks changed my life wow. and helped me see things in a fresh perspective and just stripped away a lot of the kind of the baggage, I suppose, and helped me see the core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and what he can do. Wow, that's awesome. On that topic, Ian, can I ask what, I guess, what's one of the greatest revelations that you've had about revival, that God's given you about revival through that experience and since? Well, to explain what happened when I was over there, not only did I come into a church there when I first hit Honiara, the capital, and with that, a thousand believers see the way they worshipped and and the kind of depth of worship and the sense of the presence of God was at times so overwhelming it brought tears to my eyes. Mm -hmm. um, not only did I see the results of revival, but I went then with these pastors to a an Easter weekend ministry with a Solomon Island speaker preaching over that weekend. And again, a thousand people in this little village out in the islands gathered together and over that three days, the Spirit of God just came upon those people and all of us. At first, on, on the Friday after ministry, there was kind of a, a spirit of um, repentance swept across the congregation at the end. And people were weeping and crying and putting things right with one another. And wow, I've never seen that happen in an Australian church like that. But then two days later on the final Sunday of this weekend of ministry with Michael Marlio, this Solomon Islander speaker, 
he was he was a very calm quiet speaker and just unfolded god's call to holiness of life and there was no hyped up kind of emotional stirring but at the end of of one of the messages on sunday he just invited us to open our hearts to god and just to seek to seek for him in a fresh way and to pray now the solomon islanders pray out loud so the whole congregation now erupt into praying corporately and it's like a wave of sound wafting across with everybody praying but as we were praying um there was another sound coming from the back of the auditorium um like it was hard to know what it was was it it sounded like a waterfall the roar of a waterfall and as it started it started to move forward toward where we were sitting as australians in the front row wow. and as as that sound started to move forward over the congregation the intensity of the praying kind of went up you know as people were feeling this whatever it was and gradually it came right down to the very front row and it was like a big dumper wave about to break and it just hovered there for a while and then it just whoosh, fell over us aussies in the front row and i just felt this incredible overflow of something just flooding through my body and i just began to weep something inside of me broke and i was weeping uncontrollably for 20 minutes but not just me the whole congregation now was out of human control and people were on their faces on the ground some were standing up and praising god some were filled with deep conviction others were having revelations of who god was for me i wasn't having anything like that but god was releasing something inside something i probably bottled up hurts and struggles in ministry over many years he was just taking setting me free and my emotions were just out of control another mm -hmm. thing all around me that wow. was a, a powerful moment and for 20 minutes to half an hour that the whole congregation were in all kinds of states of responding to this powerful presence of god mm. and gradually it all just quietened down and the leader just closed the service didn't try to control anything but i suppose the big the, the big things i learned about revival kurt there were several things came out of that moment in my life which changed me i came back a different person with a tender heart and a new passion. I prayed before I went to the Solomons, Lord, I don't just want to see a church in revival. I want to catch the fire. Mm. And so God answered that prayer. Yeah. And I came back with a new passion and love for Jesus and a new desire mm -hmm. to serve him. But I guess what came out of that experience was this. Revival starts with the people of God. It doesn't start out there and it, it's it doesn't even start in the church. It starts with me, but it is a corporate visitation of God's spirit, a sovereign move of God across his people who profess his name. It doesn't start out there amongst unbelievers. It starts with the people of God. And I saw that uh, taking place there out in this little village.
Um, the second thing that really amazed me was even where God comes and moves across a whole congregation in a kind of mass movement, he still deals with each person individually. It's not a stereotyped, we all experience the same thing and have the same responses, which was a whole new kind of understanding of revival. Because after that evening, we, we as Aussies went out and we debriefed together and said, wow, what was all that about? You know, what, what, were, what was that? And so we went around and each shared what we had encountered in that meeting. And the amazing thing was every response of those eight pastors from Australia was different. One just had this elated feeling of joy and, 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 and enjoying the presence of God. Another had a sense of deep conviction and he saw his own shortcomings as a pastor and and God was dealing with some deep things in his life. And each of us, as we went around, God was dealing with us. And for me, as I said, I didn't have any feeling of deep conviction about anything I needed to put right, but I had this release, emotional release of probably bottled up hurts and struggles from years of just battling on in ministry. And it was like God was just getting my heart back again and getting rid of all that baggage and setting me free. And I just felt like washed clean. Yeah, wow. That's <laughs> so awesome. Revival is both a corporate move of God, but it's not stereotyped. So if, if I'm in a kind of revivalist type of meeting and I see the response of people is expected to be all the same, I think, <laughs> Is that a man-made manipulation thing or is it truly God at work? Because God still deals with us as individuals. He knows our hearts. And even in revival, that's, um, that's how he deals with us. Wow. But out of that yeah, comes yeah. a whole new lease of evangelism. So, you know, mm -hmm. revival is to awaken God's church and his people and to bring them back to New Testament Christianity again, because we're falling away from, from the normal Christian life. Mm -hmm. And so I came back to Australia into a Gold Coast church, um, which, um, well, as you can imagine, the Gold Coast affluence, comfortable Christianity, and uh, it was a hard re-entry coming back into that environment <laughs> after seeing the fire of revival burning in the Solomons and, and the transformation in people's hearts and what I'd experienced myself. But then revival does awaken the church and that's what impacts the nation and the communities. And from that night, that's in 1989, I went across to the Solomons with those team of pastors. It was from, from that revisitation if you like of a church in revival already but it had even dropped down and this was like a rekindling of the fire wow. in this church and from there that just sent people everywhere across the islands again and the fires of revival wow. were reignited mm. across the churches with evangelism yeah. and just a fresh move of god taking place wow it's amazing so revival. That's great. Yeah.
where the people have yeah. gone, it doesn't stay there. It spills over into the world. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I um, before this interview, we you know we sort of corresponded a bit in terms of questions that I'd ask, and one one I didn't um, prepare you for, but I thought I'd ask today anyway. Is do you know what it, to what extent the Solomon Islands revival, the one that you've just described from the seventies and the eighties, um, was that sort of uh, ignited through Solomon Islanders themselves, or was there a fairly big Australian input? Do you know? What, what, are, what were some of the big influences there? Well, Australian missionaries had been there for many, many years prior to 1970, and they'd established a good solid foundation in biblical teaching, and that prepared mm -hmm. the groundwork. But um, what happened with the 1970 revival, it was actually Murray Thompson, a Maori evangelist from New mm -hmm. Zealand, went wow. across at the invitation of the South Seas Evangelical Church and he traveled around, you know, evangelistically preaching. Mm. But first he met with the missionaries and the leadership team and had ministry to them. And during that time, there were a lot of tensions between missionaries and between national church leaders that came out in the open and, and there was conviction and there was repentance and there was putting things right at that level and a powerful kind of, yeah, work within the team so that they came to a deep unity before they went out now across the islands in, in ministry. Wow. And out of that... Um, even before they reached a place, the Holy Spirit was working in the people. And the revival that broke took the church beyond the foundation that they had had been built on. A fairly conservative foundation, you know, Baptist kind of brethren sort of foundations, and brought a whole new release in their worship and in their passion. And this took them beyond now on a new journey, um, God was taking them on their own journey now. So that now the Solomon Islanders could come back to Australia from, from where the, the faith, you know, the Christian message first came, mm -hmm. they now need to teach us. Wow. They, they, did, cool. they did teach us, pastors, mm -hmm. you know, 19 years after the first revival broke, we, we went in 1989 and... Mm -hmm. We were students, I tell you, we were students. We weren't teaching them a thing. They were, we were seeing God at work in their lives and that was just yeah. awesome. That's so good. And is that revival still ongoing or has it sort of um, kind of leveled out a little bit or has it reignited? What's the situation there? Yeah, as far as I understand, it's it, it sort of the, the, the fresh outburst of revival went for years and it gradually started to settle and then it would break out again in one area and not another and then it would break out here and not another and then by 1989 when we went it, it was compared to australia it was still hot you know but it was not as hot as it had been um and since 89 well that then reignited the flame and it burned again uh, for many years after that and gradually it settled down again and i've been across nine or ten times on ministry there with teams from bible colleges to expose them to mission and to revival 
and yeah, yeah. yeah, I've noticed each time it can vary, and sometimes it's settled quite down, and it, it's just become mm -hmm. a little bit kind of routine now. Right. But still, probably well above our average here, yeah. you know. But yeah, definitely. So revival is like yeah. that. We can just, yeah. as the years go on, we can just start to kind of lose our fervor and and maybe it matures in some way revival matures it's not just hype and excitement but it's got to become deep and long-lasting and it's got to result in yeah. mission if yeah. it doesn't result in going out in mission then revivals will die yeah yeah that seems to be very true from what i've what i've studied in history yeah so, yeah and and on that topic, Ian, what would you say, I know I'm sort of shifting gears a little bit, but just sort of stepping back and looking at the scope of revivals through history, which one would you say is your favorite historical revival? Okay, well, after coming back from the Solomons, I, I, I didn't write on revival for more than 10 years because I felt I'm not, this is too big a subject for me to just to put my little story out there. I don't want I don't, I don't want my story of what happened in my life to become the norm and that's how it always happens. No, I need to really open my eyes and read through history. Okay, how has God worked? And so over the next 10 years, I just started reading and reflecting and putting what we experienced in the Solomon Islands into the big picture. Okay. And so... It was 10 years later I started then to document and, and the first book I wrote was, was this one, actually a big manual, Understanding mm. Our Need of Revival, for Australian Christians especially who probably think, why do we need revival? You know, we've got a good church, good Bible teaching, we're even into kind of, um, you know, our worship is contemporary and, and we're kind of having a great time in church. Is, isn't that all there is? Mm. And so I came to see that the average Christian life is less than the normal. The normal is New mm. Testament Christianity. We, we look at around us and think, oh, we're, we're as good as anybody else. So we're measuring ourselves mm. against, not against the original purpose of God. Mm. So if I look through mm. history, and saw the great revivals of the past. I guess um, the Moravian revival was one that really mm. touched me because of the elements in that with Nick, Nicholas mm -hmm. Zinzendorf. Mm -hmm. A bit like my journey, I suppose, as, as a young person was a Christian and had a passion for God. And even at school, he was trying to encourage Christians to get together to pray for a revival. <laughs> and reflect a little bit of my journey through school as well and and then gathering together these this group and establishing in 1727 this the lord's watch the hern hunt little community of people coming from different backgrounds and finding that that little kind of church ran into all kinds of conflicts and divisions and and how god had to break in there and it came through Nicholas Zinzendorf's pouring out his heart in prayer. And then a few others joining him and just agonizing before God, you need to do something. We, we're in trouble as a community here. We need you to come amongst us. 
And as they prayed, then in one of their services, God stepped in and brought brokenness and repentance. Mm. One of the other things I've learned about revival is revival is not everybody having a wonderful, happy time with God just, you know, coming in in his wonderful presence to us. No, it always starts with brokenness, conviction of sin and repentance. Because God's got to clean out the rubbish from our lives before we can enter into this joyful, close walk with him again. Sometimes we don't even know what that is. And, and then so Nicholas Zinzendorf there in that, that meeting, there was tears of repentance and confession. And it was three days later after that, putting things right, mm. that in a communion service, the Holy Spirit just came in, probably like what happened in the Solomons, a powerful presence mm. of God. And that was the beginning of the revival that sent them out yeah. on mission. Mm -hmm and a prayer movement for a hundred years non-stop and missionary went, went all over the world. Yeah. So the Moravian revival, you know, and John Wesley came, was touched by that revival many years later. <laughs> and that started him off on his journey of, you know, revival preaching and so on and evangelism. Mm. So that, that's, that's an inspiring story, which I've recorded in that book, Understanding Our Need of yeah. Revival. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a phenomenal story. It is. Yeah, just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so encouraging. Yeah. Okay, looking at an Australian context then, what would you say are some of the revivals that have taken place in Australia that maybe we don't know enough about that we should know more about? Well, that's what you're researching and and that's probably an area where I don't know too much about mm -hmm. I just know that there have been kind of movements of God's spirit in different centers and areas and, and back in our history as a nation. And at age 14, I was in the Billy Graham crusade in 1959 there in the MCG, sitting up in the grandstand with 140,000 people packing the stadium and spilling out onto the oval and that 140,000 people in that final Billy Graham crusade meeting is the biggest number that have ever been in the MCG, even up till today. There's no sporting event have had 140,000 people present. It was a, a revival, you know, <laughs> Billy Graham. And I just, I was deeply impacted. I was a believer myself then. But to see people just flooding out in response to Billy Graham's ministry. So wow. the Billy Graham time for me, uh, as far as I understand, touched the widest number of people in Australia. I think they estimate over a quarter to a third of Australians actually heard of Billy Graham preaching, which is yeah, amazing. amazing. Yeah. And he had crusades all over the place, not just in Melbourne. But as for the other areas in earlier history, uh, I, I've studied more the kind of big revivals from other parts of the world more than Australia. Mm. So what we're doing in, in researching this area and, and seeing that the great Southland of the Holy Spirit as De Kiros kind of um, prophesied way back there from Vanuatu mm. so many years ago, the mm. great Southland of the Holy Spirit is that 
is that God's purpose, you know, and, and many mm. of them, and, and, uh, and are trusting that somehow in God's purpose, this dry yeah. continent, this dry, geographically dry, and probably spiritually dry continent is, is going to, God's going to do something extraordinary here. Mm. That we have only seen little, little indications of that he has not yeah. forgotten us. Mm. And still got a great purpose for this this land and what Amen. he wants to do yeah, but it's going to absolutely. start with the people of god it's god's yeah. going to get into his church and bring new life there before mm. he's going to touch society yeah yeah definitely yeah that's great now i guess given you just sort of referred to the the spiritual dryness of australia which i i totally agree with and uh, in fact, was it just this week? I think the census from 2021 came out yeah. uh, indicating that the number of, I guess, Christians in Australia is the lowest really it's ever been in our history. So, yeah. you know, we are seeing increased spiritual dryness. And would you say that given how, you know, how secular Australia has become, um, is revival still possible, would you say, in Australia? Yeah, well, from a human perspective, it looks pretty impossible to turn around the tide that's going further and further away from Christian values that that some of us grew up with, a society that had a moral and Christian foundation and church attendance was fairly common to the state now where that's becoming less and less and we're just turning our backs on our Christian heritage and uh, just trashing, you know, trashing all the things that, that make a nation great. Mm. Um, from a human perspective, you say, how, you know, what can turn that around? Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful to have had a Christian prime minister, but revival never comes from the top downwards politically. It always mm -hmm. starts from the bottom upwards. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And revival's a sovereign move of God. So it's, it's from God downwards to us. We mm -hmm. can't create it. We can't make it happen, but we can prepare for it. And there are principles that we can apply. So there is always hope. And looking at the great revivals in history, the Welsh revival, where the church had just lost its momentum and was almost dead. God raised up just a few little people here and there who were desperate now and beginning to pray yeah. for a revival and they didn't even know each other existed often and god raised up you know one one person that he used to light the flame and 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 then the whole thing changed and a drastic change in society resulted from god awakening his people and evangelism now went out and people just flooded into the churches so this overflow of what God was doing was impacting society profoundly. So I take hope from that. As Billy Graham said, God often does his best things in the worst possible times. <laughs> and that's so true of revival. It's, it's in desperate times that often Christians start to say, hey, we better, we better get serious now and begin to pray and put things right because it's prayer and unity when God's people come together with one accord and, and put their wrongs aside and, and come in repentance and seek God together. Mm. That's when God comes. Yeah. Absolutely. But in his own time and in his own way, and we can't predict yeah. 
we can't there's no formulas but there's principles yeah that's, that's so great. two chronicles 714 are the principles by which i've written and put together that that book you know and you know what will it take to bring revival mm. um it's just drawing together the stories that illustrate that and just showing yeah. humble ourselves pray yeah. seek god's face turn from our wicked ways is talking about as we draw near to god in prayer he starts to reveal things in our lives that we need to put right mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. that can be painful and that can be humbling but that's part mm -hmm. of the process and then he will come mm -hmm. okay so yeah yeah it's illustrated yeah. again and again through the revivals of the past those same principles mm -hmm. work again that's good yeah absolutely well what would you say revival in australia would look like today if it happened or if i can maybe rephrase that question um you've talked about how revival starts with the house in the house of god it starts with the people of god but for an everyday person on the street in australia who's got very little connection to church if a revival broke out how would they know that that had happened well if it starts in the church if it starts with the people of god um, when people's hearts are set on fire, they're going to, without even trying, are going to have an impact on their families, their workplace, and, and there's just going to be a, a spillover, an overflow. Look, what, what, what's, what's in the heart, if the heart's just overflowing with what God's doing in your life, you're going to speak it out and, and you're going to show it by your life and transformation of life uh, is probably the greatest impact. I think, you know, when God begins to move, that's ne nearly always what happens is the mm. people who call themselves Christians now come into a whole new awareness of who they are as, as the children of God and fall passionately in love with Jesus again and, and see things like, we've never seen them before and that will impact society and and the extent of that well we don't know what yeah how far that will go sometimes it's just a little local kind of influence mm -hmm. sometimes like the welsh revival god lights a fire in one church and then another one comes alight and then a whole mm. network takes place and it's god in control not man doing this mm. Mm -hmm. so it could be a huge bonfire mm -hmm. that yeah. sets yeah. or it could be a number Absolutely. of fires burning that impact people profoundly mm. God does it his own way in his own time and we can't predict just what it'll look like and how it'll happen, but nothing's impossible with him. Amen. That's good. That's a good word. Well, let's finish with one last question, Ian. What is something that you think everyday believers, any believer in Australia could do to fan the flames of revival? Well, look, it all always begins with us. Revival is not something that happens out there, but it's got to start here in me. And so I think just to get serious with God now and, and know that our relationship with him is, is more than just going to church on Sunday and just doing a few Christian kind of activities and, and then just living pretty much our own life. 
we and that's where my whole kind of area of discipleship in our ministry is is discipleship is whole of life you know so living under the lordship of christ and really walking with him each day is where it begins but then if he lays a burden on your heart to pray with some others um gathering together you know with a few others to pray not just shopping list type of praying but passionate praying for god to work and god to move and and the the prayer that leads to revival seems to be a new kind of praying it's praying with fervor it's praying with passion it's praying with a deep ache in our hearts for mm-hmm. our nation and our people and our churches mm-hmm. and it's those little kind of gatherings of prayer that seems to create almost like an evaporation or rises up to God and and that's what mm. forms the clouds that bring the rain upon the dry and thirsty mm. land of our nation yeah. God gathers all those prayers they're not lost even though it might be years before anything happens mm. so personal praying praying in little groups but also praying together across denominations Mm, with his yeah. unity that we're all the family of God no matter what our distinctives are and and seeing yeah. like corporate gatherings as we did just a few weeks ago here in Brisbane with 2000 meeting in AMZ Stadium wow. to pray for awesome. our nation God honors that you know where there's a true passion and Christians from all the streams of church come together to pray then we're getting more serious mm-hmm. and and I believe that opens the way for God to move and to work because he wants us to be partners with him. He's, he doesn't just send revival anyhow. Mm-hmm. He's waiting for us to break up the stony ground and like a farmer before the rain comes has to plow up the hard dry ground and get rid of the stones so that when the rain comes, it'll yeah. soak in deep and not just run off the surface. Mm. same with us we've just got to open our hearts and plow up the fallow ground so that when God chooses to send the rain it'll be a deep rain and it's going to bring mm. an abundant harvest in our nation awesome that's a yeah. good word that's awesome well Ian thank you so much again for joining me the, uh, today this afternoon um, the things you've shared have just been awesome, very practical, very uh, inspirational and challenging. So, um, yeah, I trust that everyone that, everyone that has tuned in today um, has been very encouraged. And uh, once again, I encourage you to get uh, Ian Mallon's book, uh, What Will It Take to Bring Revival, and uh, any, any of his other resources, either on revival or other topics that he's written on. So once again, thank you, Ian, and uh, look forward to uh, seeing everyone from the Canberra Declaration again on our next episode. Thank you. Thank you, Kurt, and it's a pleasure talking with you, and I trust your project goes really well, and I'll look forward to seeing the book when it comes out. So we've got a web page, Omega Discipleship Ministries. If you go to Omega Discipleship Ministries, that's a web page that will provide re- revival and discipleship resources for you. Awesome. Guys, check that out, Omega Discipleship Ministries. Thank you. Brilliant.